Welcome to the Colby Cast, episode 82. Thank you for joining us. Today we're joined by Eileen Durier and Sarah Lee, two teachers in Colby Academy's online program for grades K through two. In addition to explaining how Colby's unique hybrid platform works with parents to educate these young students, Eileen and Sarah share some excellent ideas for any parent educating young students. We hope that you'll enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic, and Colby homeschooling mom to four lads and lasses of middle and high school age. And this is Stephen, homeschooling father of five and director of development for Colby Academy. Last time we met three teachers from Colby's online elementary school. They gave us a tour, so to speak, of the way the online program works, as well as a lot of helpful success strategies for students in grades three through five. Today, we get to visit with two teachers from the lower grades of the online elementary school and hear how things go on their end of the hallway. Sarah Lee and Eileen Durier, welcome to the Colby Cast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm hoping we can identify some ways parents with students in the online kindergarten, first and second grades can collaborate with teachers as the second semester gets rolling. I bet we can find ways for parents of younger traditional school at home elementary students to incorporate many of the ideas into their daily doings as well. First though, let's get to know you both a bit since we haven't yet had the opportunity. Sarah, how did you happen upon Colby? And what else might you tell families gathered for Meet the Teacher Night, say? Sure. So I happened upon Colby. Um, a friend of mine teaches for Colby, Elizabeth Hoxie. She's in the mm-hmm. um, high school yeah. and another military spouse. She had recommended Colby to me when she heard that they were opening the K-5 to program since she knew that my husband and I had just moved and being military, we will move every year to two years. Um, so that's how Colby kind of came into my life. It was a very good timing. We had just gotten married, moved cross country, um, and right before the pandemic. So it was very convenient to be able to work from home and also have, I wanted to stay in the Catholic school system. Sure. I had taught previously um, pre-K for seven years at a school in the DC area. So I was definitely looking to stick with Catholic schools. And you teach kindergarten for Colby? I do, yes. I teach kindergarten for Colby, yes. Um, so in terms of degrees, I went to Mount St. Mary's University um, and got a degree in elementary education and in English. And then I got my master's from the University of Virginia in reading education. So kind of a wide spectrum of things. Um, I do love, I mean, I love teaching all of the subjects, reading and religion especially. And I also worked with a theater company um, where I directed and choreographed children's theater and adult theater as well as performing for a number of years. Um, So I definitely use a lot of the singing and dancing and moving with the kindergarten students to keep us every five minutes, we got to move our bodies a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) That's fabulous. I love it. I love it. I'm sure they enjoy that as well. And it helps it helps them so much, I'm sure, in ways they don't even realize. Yeah, exactly. Eileen, what about you? Yes. So actually, Sarah and I have the same mutual friend, um, Elizabeth Hoxie. Uh, so she had actually reached out to me and told me that Colby was hiring. And I kind of hummed and hawed and hummed and hawed. And I, I guess I decided to kind of put a hold on it because I was pregnant 
and was going to have a baby. And then all of a sudden I had this baby and I thought it would be a great idea to apply. So my son was three weeks old when I applied and it honestly has been the best blessing that has um, happened. So he was my fourth. And honestly, I didn't know if I was ever going to get back into teaching just because I wanted to be a stay-at-home mother. But this has been the best opportunity. I still get to be at home with my kids, um, but then I still get this opportunity to teach as well. So it's been amazing. So Elizabeth has blessed both of us. Um, We are also military, and so we move every few years as well. So again, another great opportunity for me to be able to hold this job, keep it, I can teach. Uh, Last year, uh, we moved in October, so I was able to continue to teach even while moving. So it worked out really well. And so I went to school, I got my undergrad in Canada at St. Mary's University. And then I went to Australia and got my degree in Masters of Education. And then I got married, we had kids, and I didn't teach for quite a while. And so I would always have little jobs here and there teaching. My last job was teaching for a homeschool charter school. And I was able to teach for their um, enrichment class. And then I've always taught um, religious education at church and stuff like that. And I'll always keep, you know, try and keep my foot in the door. So job has certainly been the best. And so um, I've been at Colby teaching first grade and it's my second year teaching for them. That sounds so interesting on your various places all over the world. I bet you have picked up a lot of fun lingo from Canada and Australia. I really enjoy stuff like that. All the fun, fun expressions from elsewhere that I pick up and (laughs) and put into my vernacular. (laughs) It's neat to see where everybody comes from and all the wealth of experience and knowledge and training that people bring to Colby that our Colby students are so fortunate to have such a wealth of this depth of richness from the instructors. It's, it's just amazing. Well, we heard a little bit about the online elementary program, which this is its second year of existence. I bet there are some folks wondering, like I am, how it kind of works in the early grade levels. We heard a little bit about the upper grade levels. So talk to us though about the the younger grade levels, kindergarten, first grade, even second grade, what that looks like for them, sort of a typical day in the life or week in the life for whatever the younger students. Sure. Um, So for the younger kiddos, we see them four days a week. Um, We start off with homeroom and religion on Monday. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we have smaller groups for their language arts and math class. And something that we especially do with the younger grades is we differentiate a lot of our lessons. I mean, coming into kindergarten, I have such a wide span of abilities. You know, some kids are still working on writing their name and learning letters, and others are already reading mm-hmm. magic schoolhouse books and magic treehouse books, different things. Um, so it's really, it's really important to still be able to, like in a brick and mortar school, you would have your small groups differentiate so you can meet them where they're at. Um, so that's something that I know I do and Eileen and Kimberly do as well is um, working with those groups to help them work, learn together on what what material they're working on. Especially because we have such a short time with them in the classroom. It's just an hour each day, about an hour each day, including microphone check at the beginning um, and a bathroom break or movement breaks in the middle. That's kind of a kind of an overview of our week. 
and then just the fact that it's hybrid, as you mentioned. So there's a little bit of time with that teacher in live class, and then there's lots of opportunities for parents to work with their students at home with the activities that we provide and then supplementing with additional things if their student needs additional support in a certain area or they're really interested in a certain topic it's really neat um, it gives the parents an opportunity to branch out and kind of build their education at home too cool that's great yeah i have a lot of um my friends or my parents and they're like wait what do you do how do you do it <laughs> um, mostly in the lower elementary schools all the children are on camera and so that's something that's different from um, especially middle school and high school mm -hmm. everybody is always on camera because we're constantly using whiteboards that i'll ask you know a simple question five plus five the kids write on their whiteboards 10 and they show me and so it's instant feedback because they don't do the typing yet. So that's something that we're in middle school and high school, the kids are able to type. These kiddos don't have that those skills yet. So it's a lot of feedback with movement. So in my classes, I have a PowerPoint that I do, and it's very interactive. And so I might ask a question, and then if I say, if you think it's you know A, I want you to do jumping jacks. If you think it's B, you're gonna jump up and down. And so I get that feedback. I see which ones are doing jumping jacks and which ones are just jumping or running in place or whatever exercise they have them doing. So it keeps them moving and active. And they're not just sitting there in front of a screen kind of looking, you know, not really with much interaction at all. So it's not, you know, some people just think these kids are in front of a screen for an hour and there is no interaction. There's a lot of interaction that's going on. Yeah, definitely to piggyback off of Eileen, lots of moving, dancing, singing. I mean, as we know, kids, well, kids have an attention span of, in elementary grades, it's an attention span of how many years they are old in minutes. Um, so for okay. kindergarten, they've got an attention span of about five minutes. So we got to keep, as Eileen said, keep, keep the bodies moving. And it helps the brain too. There's so much research that's been done on movement in your body, helping to stimulate your brain as you're learning and then, I mean, not just in education, but anything in life. Um, so getting that movement involved, and it helps us too. Sitting still for that long, I can't handle that. So <laughs> I like to move and groove. Yes. Yeah, the same. Like I do lots of sign language with the kids, um, mm -hmm. teaching them their nouns. We talk about people, they touch themselves, people, places, they make a globe with their hands, and then things, they just kind of touch things around them. So then I ask them, you know, when we're reading a sentence, the dog is big, what is the noun? And they say dog, and then I ask them what kind of noun, and they'll all start touching, you know, their hands together, telling me it's a thing. So it's lots of, yeah, interactions and stuff like that. And I have had parents tell me that, you know, off camera, they're doing a lot of these sign languages. So you know that they're making a lot of those connections. Mm -hmm. This is always so interesting to me because as far as I know, there's nothing else like what you're doing in other in other schools. And it sounds always so well thought out and and developed as well. It's like, how did you do this in two two years? You know, a year. It's just amazing. <laughs> a lot of a lot of learning as we go and adapting and for me, I um my children go to brick and mortar school. And last year when they were doing the Zoom and 
we're all on different, uh, somewhere in Zoom, somewhere in uh, Google Classroom, and the teachers did not have the training. I, I was able to actually observe, and I said, I will not do that. I will not do that. And then every once in a while, I was like, that works. I really like that. So that was a way to learn what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. Well, I'm so impressed. It, what a great way for you to bring your theater training, Sarah, into this educational sphere. They just go hand in hand, don't they? And and, and uh, I love the sign language. I bet it sticks better. Like when they can put that tangible element to it, that really helps cement that concept in their minds, I would think. Absolutely. The little ones love the sign language. They always ask for more. They're like, can we learn another? Mm -hmm. um, and having like that tangible or that tactile, that's why we like, I always try to bring in movement, but also like physical things into class. Sure. The more they're using tactile objects as they're learning too, just that feedback helps to just make more connections too. So we'll do scavenger hunts. We'll bring our Legos to class. We'll count out Skittles, I had them use um, jelly beans the other week. So just anything that they can be moving with their hands to um, just helps to kind of solidify, as you were saying, solidify that learning and that knowledge. Oh, that's great. And I bet I bet they love saying, Mom, I need some jelly beans for class next week. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> nice, nice. Well done. I love hearing the description of how it works. I've been trying to to imagine how it works, not seeing it in action myself and wondering about that whole chat box thing. And so imagining that whiteboard, what a good idea. It's really neat to see how, how it's all coming together. Are there any particular highlights or, or points of pride that come to mind quickly about this whole program? Like when people ask about it, where does your mind go when you think what you like most about this program? I think the fact that we are successfully teaching five and six-year-olds online mm -hmm. <laughs> is yeah. something for sure. Because often, like Eileen said, I get the question, you're, you're teaching kindergarten online like like all the time or like just for a little bit, right? Just a little bit during the pandemic. No, it's all the time. Yeah. Um, so I think just the ability to take what would be a brick and mortar school and transition it into this online environment Mm -hmm. It's so it's so flexible and unique. I mean, there's so many benefits to it for a variety of reasons, you know, flexibility for the families and the teachers and just that ability for the parents to be a little bit more hands on with the learning, but still have the support of a licensed teacher who's, you know, got their degree and learning and all yeah. of these things. Um, I think it's just a really, a really unique or unique setting. Yeah. So I think that's that's one thing that pops to mind. Um, yeah. And then just, you know, we, we made it through the first year of building <laughs> this program. It was a lot of work. Uh, I think surviving it and developing a program and curriculum that we feel is benefiting the students and then seeing how it benefits them. I mean, we can we can hear from the teachers a grade up from us. Hey, these kids are doing well. This is what so-and-so is doing. It's just neat to see that how we worked with them they're continuing moving forward and making that progress. So right. love that. Um, I would say for me, it's the community and the relationships that I built with my students and parents as well. Um, last year, it, I mean, it was a it was a huge learning curve. It was intense. I'm not sure if I remember much of last year because <laughs> I had a newborn. So, I mean, I was, I, did, I got very little sleep last year because you're just, you're trying to learn the curriculum 
plus you're trying to learn the platform and we put everything onto Schoology. So it was just, there was a lot of other things. Um, you couldn't go to your traditional filing cabinet and pull out papers. Like you had to recreate everything. So that was such a big learning curve of getting everything electronically on your computer to put into Schoology. So, yeah. I mean, there was hours and hours and hours spent in just, you know, every week trying to get your, get everything put together because then like Sarah said in the beginning, you have students that can read and you have students that cannot read. So also being able to provide for each group level as well. But at the end of the year, when we were having our last class, like I literally broke down in tears and I had students that started crying too. And I was totally caught me off guard and I just did not expect it because like people think you're only seeing these little screens of these people a few hours, but you do really you get you bond with these children and they really bond with you. And so getting emails from parents, they're telling you how, you know, they've seen the improvements and, you know, their little success stories. Those are so great and so wonderful. So it's great to be able to still have that, even though you're online. Sure. I agree. That is one thing that I thought I was going to miss not being in person. But as you said, we still get to see that and experience yeah. it. And the parents get to see it firsthand too, which yeah. I know so many of them appreciate being able to see that process. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting how you get it all done. You said you're with them for about an hour each day. Wow, you really have to be Quite the time managers, I would think. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And flexible. Because there are some days, I think another thing, especially that I've noticed this year, they're five and six years and seven years old. They really also need that social piece, as Eileen was saying, building those relationships. So I go in with my lesson. We've got our, like, you know, set points that we're going to learn about. And then we got to be flexible. Sometimes we take it on a different route or if they really are diving into a certain topic or conversation, building those com- those communication skills and those social pieces, that's still an important part of learning. So I think being flexible and allowing that to happen in the classroom too is something that I've been building more in as I can. Yeah. Yep. Lost teeth are important. Oh, <laughs> yes. absolutely they're missing too then (laughs) Mm -hmm. and the wiggly ones right up in the screen see mrs lady see my tooth is wiggling (laughs) they like to share their baby brothers and sisters and Mm -hmm. those things yeah so it is cute My family is always home, or my wife has done all the homeschooling at that age. So for me, it's just interesting to hear because, you know, she was, she's just kind of a pro at it. And so I've just seen her, you know, sit down with the little ones. And then as we get older ones, they're jumping in to kind of teach the younger ones the poetry or whatever they're working on. But it's really interesting just to hear all of this great help that you could get for, you know, it's not taking up the whole day. It just seems perfect. You get to interact and set the day, set the, you know, keep things on track for somebody who might be too busy to do that on their own or doesn't feel comfortable doing that on their own. And it sounds like a lot of fun, actually. (laughs) Yeah, It is. It is fun. As Eileen said, this really has been such a blessing and a perfect fit. You know, we're still able to 
dive into the classroom with these kiddos. It's such a fun age to teach and they love it. We love it. So it's definitely enjoyable. And I think that the program is set up because there are so many families that want to homeschool, but they just don't know how to navigate that whole, you know, homeschooling curriculum. Like, what do I do? How do I do it? And so this works well, and especially for big families too, you know, I can teach your child. So they get the base of everything. And then from there, like they can jump onto Schoology and we have a lot of practice assignments that they um, should be doing as well, as well as um, we call check for understanding and those CFU assignments have to be turned in so that I can see their progress of how they're doing. So they work on those assignments with their kids, but their kids already have a little bit of an idea of like how to do them. So it's not that they're starting from scratch, but they do, you know, I'm sure that parents are helping out a lot and reminding them of how to do things, but it's not from the beginning. And so that works out, I think, very, it, it's convenient for a lot of families. Just that structure sounds wonderful to know that there's some a keeping on track and making sure yeah. you're, you're checking the right boxes and not spending too much time doing the There's wrong thing. a little things. bit of accountability for the parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, how much yeah. is enough? Yeah. Like, have we done enough? Yeah. Because there's that right. feeling too, like we should be doing more. Like, So to have your support and your like taking the lead, like, okay, we're going to work on this. And then this part, you, you finish this with them and I'll check in with you and, and kind of verify that things are on track that that's huge yeah we encourage parents email if you have questions you know if you don't understand something because i'm sure that sometimes my language might not be a parent might not understand it so you know it makes sense to me but it might not make sense to you so just having that open communication with parents is really important as well um you know to analogy for sports if you're like swimming a lot of people get into the pool and they float they don't know how they're floating they just float and so kind of going back to the reading like you you just read you just you found out the letters and you read and so it's you know like breaking all of it down and looking at the diagraphs and where to start like those things you just like oh and i've had a few parents email me and they're just like this is amazing i'm learning so much (laughs) I didn't realize that the A sound came from so many different ways, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think that's a way that the lower elementary differs a bit from the upper elementary. There's definitely still parent involvement with the upper elementary, but a lot more so in lower. Okay. Um, as Eileen was saying, you know, the parents are helping with the homework, you know, reading the directions, helping them get on the right path. Um, so there's definitely a lot of parent involvement in the lower elementary program. Well, let's talk more about that, their role as almost like co-teacher with you. Um, Talk to us about how that that partnership, that collaboration goes, and maybe some success strategies for how to make that collaboration work really well and navigate that workload as well. In terms of that parent collaboration at home, 
a big part is finding that balance between the work that we do in the class with the students and the work that they do at home. As Eileen mentioned, we've got those CFUs, which are required assignments that show us what the student is learning. And then we also have practice assignments or additional activities. The parent is with their child, you know, all day long. They know how their child is doing with each of these pieces and they've got our feedback. If, hey, they need a little extra work with X, Y, and Z, here are some resources. So so it, that piece is more up to the parents to provide that extra support at home since we do only have that one hour every day with the students. It sounds like they definitely need to be very much a part of that process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so like for example, for me, I only have the students for the most part turn in one math assignment for the week. But it doesn't mean that they are only going to do one math assignment. They should continue to follow along in the textbook, and I have this on Schoology, like follow along, do each of the textbook pages. However, if it's a, the parents come and they're like, all right, you've got this, um, there's no reason to have kids necessarily do the busy work if they're understanding it and they don't want to do it. So that's where the parents have that kind of freedom and be like, all right, show me three problems, good. You're, you know, we've, you've got this, time to move on. Um, but then some students do need that extra help. And so they do need to be doing those extra problems so that they can grasp those concepts. Um, you know, the same thing can go with phonics and all of the topics. And then there's other, you know, subjects such as science. We learned about the human body, for example. And if they become really interested in it, this is that time for the parents to use those teachable moments and say, let's go to the museum and, you know, see this, or let's go to the library and learn more, or get on Google and find some, you know, more information and, and or find reading about it, you know, or maybe the kids don't enjoy writing, but they want to write about uh, dinosaurs, if that's the, you know, unit we're doing. So kind of expanding and being a little bit creative with those things, that's where the parents get that opportunity to help grow in those topics that they're learning. It allows for a lot of flexibility at home um, for diving deeper, as Eileen was saying, into things and then, you know, giving that extra support where needed. And we do, we try to provide as many, you know, additional resources as we can for families. Some things, of course, printable, you know, we're not in a physical classroom, so we don't have, here's a physical book to hand to you. Here, let me give you this piece of paper. So, of course, some things have to be printed. Then we've got the Raz Kids, um, which is basically like our online library. Mm-hmm. So it's got varied levels of books for reading, going from, you know, the very beginning here, are the letters, like up through reading at a higher middle school high school level of course we know that they've got books at home but we can help hone in on what the best fit reading level is for them so they've got the extra books to practice that fluency at home since we've only got how so much time in class helping to build those reading skills really takes just that you know extra reading practice and let's talk about the book like here's a new vocabulary word let's go talk about it let's go draw a picture of it let's find a way to create it in the house so just so many ways to kind of take where we start them and expand it nice kind of to go back a little bit on like how to set up success for the parents is going to the reading yeah that's such an important aspect that parents need to be doing because that's one thing we can't do in an hour a, a school teacher can't do in brick and mortar school they can't do that even throughout the whole day 
Um, those are things that need to be done with parents. And so I put this in uh, Schoology often. I have the kids, one day they read to a stuffed animal for 15 minutes, the next day they read to a sibling. But then one day um, their assignment is the parents read to them for 30 minutes. And it doesn't matter what their reading level it is. There's so much research and study on how important it is for people to be read to. Even adults, it's important for people to be read to. But the parents reading to their children, it just models so much for them. It teaches them how um, when their parents are reading, they pause at a period or they have some inflection in their voice when they see an exclamation mark. And these are things that we don't think about. We do it, but we don't think about it. But these children are hearing it and they're watching it. And so it's just so important. And then taking that time to ask the kids just simple questions, like what do you think might happen at the end? And seeing if they are comprehending what's going on. It's just really, really important. Sometimes some kids' reading level might be quite low, but their comprehension is quite high. And so if you continue to have them reading at a low level, reading is going to become boring. So you need to be able to acknowledge that they can understand. So reading to them is important. Um, but then vice versa, their reading level might be really high, but they're not comprehending what they're reading either. And so they're just be, they're able to say all the words, but they have no idea what they're reading about. It's just too advanced for them. And so you know, having the parent would come down a few levels and reading to them, and then just having that conversation about the book that they've read, and talking about the characters and the settings, and what would you change about the book, or if the character did this instead of that, and just having those conversations are so crucial. Yeah, that sets up that that critical thinking that comes up over and over in our conversations for the later elementary literature and the middle school and the high school literature all and into adulthood. We see that over and over again. That's the, that building block. Yeah, I could go on and on about audiobooks. So I won't even go there. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, and it, that calls to mind hearing so much when when my kids were younger the importance of continuing to read to them after they could read to themselves, like. Yeah, they could read their own books, but it's still important for us to read to them because we can read stuff that uh, is more advanced that, that they will pick up on the context and, and understand it, even if they're not able to to read it to themselves necessarily, huh? the importance of that. So, and it's yeah. just fun to do. It's a good time together. Exactly. Yeah, it just, yeah, it's enjoyable and it makes reading fun because that's a big thing too when kids are learning to read. It can be, it can, some kids, it comes super easily and they're like, I got this, let's keep rolling. And sometimes we struggle. I mean, we struggle in life too. Adults, you know, we struggle with different things too. So sometimes right. if a kid is struggling with learning to read, still having that parent reading fun books with them just reinforces the idea that reading is fun so that it's not mm -hmm. just seen as, oh, it's this thing that frustrates me. I can't do it. Instead, it's, yeah. okay, we're learning these skills, but also let's keep reading these really cool stories to keep reading as like a positive, exciting thing. Yeah. So many benefits. <laughs> That's all fantastic. I mean, I, just, I love reading myself and always have, but I just can't imagine what the world would be like if reading became a frustration or listening to books or whatever. So balancing all of those things to really keep that during Kindle, that love. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. Uh, just yeah, the worlds that would be closed if you if you decided you didn't like reading. It's amazing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
I'm thankful for the, the time I've been able to spend reading with my kids. That's been something like, well, what are we going to do? Well, let's read a book. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You can go to so many new worlds and explore different things. And, mm-hmm. and discover fun series. Yes. Just a way to connect with our kids like that. Well, so you mentioned the invitation you extend to, to parents to email you with questions and be in continual con- communication with them. And for you all to remain in communication via email, what's that been like as you have been establishing this program, the way you interact with the parents? What do you like to see? What's your ideal, do you think, with regard to your level of communication with parents at this point? I think definitely, as Eileen said, emailing with any questions, always, always better to communicate and ask the question rather than have the confusion and be uncertain about either how an assignment is going or, hey, how's my child doing with XYZ? But also on the flip side, emailing those glows, those glows that they see at home, those successes. Hey, my kid did this today. Hey, here's a picture of Johnny playing with this activity. Look what they built, you know, just being able to share those pieces too. It always warms my heart to get a little video of it. Last year, there was this one little boy who he was learning to read, and we were working real hard on it. And we got there, and he was so excited. So he said, Mom, you have to send this video to Mrs. Lee. So she emailed me this video, and it's just, it's so exciting to see their joy and excitement, too. So I think those are the the two main types of communication, you know, asking the questions or the concerns, right? If they're not sure, hey, my child seems to not be getting this concept, what do you think of it? What are some suggestions? Is this something to be worried about? But then also the fun stuff. I like those too. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I know certainly in the beginning of the year, um, there are lots of questions because it is a brand new program for most of the kids that are coming into Colby. They're kindergarten and first graders. So most of them have not done this whole online thing. So they're very scared and intimidated and not sure how this whole thing is going to work. But just even from last year, uh, my experience in the beginning of the year, the parents were right there at the computer working with the kids and stuff. By the end of the year, I mean, the parents weren't even there anymore. It's amazing, the kids. Like even now, every once in a while, I'll put up a chat box and some of them are typing, hello, how are you? (laughs) Little things like that. And it's just, it's amazing. They're you know, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds doing this stuff. So they they do really learn a lot. But as far as, like, the parents just kind of wanting to know, how do I do this? Or, I mean, I, I tell my parents that I'm human. I make mistakes. Sometimes I'm working off very little sleep um, with my, my own children. Um, so there are mistakes that I have in Schoology. So if you see that, yeah. Let me know because I'll read over things and I don't see the mistakes. Um, so it, that's just kind of the nature of who we are as teachers too. We make mistakes. So, um, and that's okay. And then also, I mean, I've had parents that have emailed me and said, this is how I viewed the assignment. And so this is how we did it. We did this, this, and this. And I'm like, perfect, that works. And it might not be the same way that it was supposed intended to work, but it worked for their child and it worked for mom or dad. And um, just keeping that communication open is perfectly fine. Sometimes kids just have a really rough day. And so penmanship is certainly something that we are constantly working on. 
and it's very hard. They don't enjoy writing right now. It's, yeah. it's a lot. And, you know, some days you just wake up and you don't want to write, but that's the assignment. And so sometimes I've had mom uh, just even write on the assignment or just within Schoology, just they, they couldn't do it, so I scribed for them. And that's perfectly fine. Those things are, you know, just communicating that way. You've got to pick your battles sometimes. And, mm-hmm. you know, so as long as they're comprehending, if, if penmanship isn't what is being looked at, if that's not what's being assessed, then that, that's fine. We don't want to get in the habit of mom or dad always writing, but, yeah. <laughs> um, and so it's trying to kind of pick those battles and stuff. But, yeah. yeah. And that's another spot, as Eileen was saying, writing the comments, that's another spot where they can communicate us, communicate with us on Schoology within an assignment. There's a spot on the side after they submit their assignment where they can make a comment and ask us a little question or say, Susie had a tough time with this, or here's another picture of Johnny doing the science activity. He loved building his gingerbread house. Like, so they can add little comments in or ask questions there too. So that's another, another form of communication as well. Nice. Well, thinking about some resources and final thoughts for our families, you've explained in, in great detail and so helpfully how the program works, how you uh, incorporate movement and all kinds of all kinds of things into the time that you spend with the students online. Uh, are there other things that would be helpful to families who have students in this stage of development, these early elementary years that, that you want to mention here? I think something that Eileen and I had talked about yesterday, actually, um, was the reminder that fine motor development is so important at this age. Doing those coloring your pictures, working with Play-Doh, anything you can do to move those hands, those fine motor muscles is so important because that's a building block for writing. And writing is is hard. It takes a lot of, you know, you got to have the grip strength to hold your pencil and the endurance to write, you know, however many letters or however long a period of time it takes. So developing those fine motor skills is super important. It might seem like a little thing. Oh, they don't need to color. Oh, they don't like to, you know, play with this Play-Doh. But there are so many ways to develop those fine motor skills. So that's one thing that I always try to emphasize to parents is just the importance of like using your hands, you know, kneading bread dough with mom or dad, like just doing something to move those muscles. I just tell them that we're getting our, our hand muscles nice and strong so we can write lots of sentences, draw great pictures. Um, so that's one thing that I do always emphasize for development at this age. Okay. Legos count too, right? <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Build lots of things with Legos. <laughs> Use shaving cream on your desk. Okay. That's fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing I think is really important, too, is just remembering that these kids, um, they need to move, as we've talked about lots. Like, I look at, as a mom, like, I'll watch my kids watching TV, and they are in the most uncomfortable positions, and they're, like, not even, they're half standing, half sitting, half laying, and I I look at them, and I'm like, how is that even comfortable? But they're engaged, and they're perfectly comfortable for their age, and so kind of remembering like that's sometimes how they learn too so because they're not necessarily sitting straight with their backs you know up tall that's not always their best learning so sometimes moving things around and having them stand to do their work 
I know that my, like my oldest daughter, she's very much into movement and balancing. So she likes to actually get on her hoverboard and she sits on it in a very uncomfortable position. <laughs> and she just goes back and forth with her clipboard and does her homework. And um, so the, and there's lots of studies about movements. Being on swings is really good for them. So maybe just taking lots of little recess breaks and having them go outside and swing or run around and then coming back and, you know, having, having them stand on one foot and do their work and that makes it fun. But remember, they're children and children move a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and so it's okay. It, it really is okay. Like, don't get frustrated. And I say this. As a mother, I also have a first grader, and sometimes I'm telling my daughter, no, step straight. No, you can move. So I do understand. It's frustrating mm -hmm. sometimes. <laughs> Even though I know, it's still, it's hard. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think one more thing just to remind parents about growth and development at this age is that Every child's different. I mean, we all know that, right? Every child's different. Even siblings are different from each other. But just the reminder that each kid is going to grow and develop at their own pace. They'll learn to ride their bike at their own time. They'll learn to read at their own time. They'll learn to write their name at their own time. So, yes, we have goals each year of things that we're aiming for them to work on learning. But just the reminder that every child is different. And if you if your child isn't where you think they should be, they're probably doing okay. Of course, we'll have that conversation and communicate if, hey, there's something that we need to work a bunch more on or let's get some more supports. But just a reminder that kids grow at their own pace. I feel like there's such a, a push, a push often for little ones. Okay, we got to start reading. We got to do this. We got to do that. We're applying for college and in like, what, 15 years, but we got to get on it. Yeah, <laughs> um, right. So just the reminder that they're kids. They're going to learn. They're going to grow. You know, they all develop at their own pace and time. Yeah. Amen to that. <laughs> those are more timely reminders. Very easy to get kind of those to slip off the radar screen, but important to keep in there. I would be surprised when my boys were younger, especially, and I would be reading a lot. I would think they weren't paying attention. And then they would tell me exactly what was going on. Yeah. They would recall obscure stuff. And I was like, wow, I didn't even realize you were you were with me anymore, but I guess you were. So that's neat. Yeah. Okay. Are there things that have been coming to mind as we've been talking, things that we haven't covered yet that we wanted to be sure that we talked about? I think one thing that we had spoken about when Eileen and I chatted yesterday was just the reminder of organization. Okay. You know, it's important for the kids to be organized. And at this age, the parents are the ones really teaching them those organizational skills. And I know at the beginning of the year, especially, it was like, it, you know, they're if they came from a brick and mortar school, you take the assignments into the teacher. If they've done the online before, they know that it gets submitted online. You know, you take your picture, you scan it into your phone to submit. But I think just even for the parents setting a little alarm on their phone. Hey, this is the time today that I'm going to take my pictures, upload our assignments is just another piece. I think that's, that would be helpful is just that reminder to keep that organization flowing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Having a schedule is important. Like kids need that. They like, um, even though we're together online for an hour, we do certain things like we, we start with calendar. And if I were to come in and not do calendar, 
state. They would just be, they would be a wreck. They wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> and so, uh, we don't realize how scheduled kids are, but they really are. They like to know what their expectations are, what to do and when to do it and how to do it. And so it is important, even though it is homeschool and you can be flexible, um, I think it's just you're building a healthy, uh, healthy environment, a healthy habit for your children um, to have that schedule. So, and, and you do whatever works for you and your family, but to kind of have that schedule and then for you as the parent to know like, all right, I'm going to do, I'm going to submit all of my work at whatever time works for you again. I mean, probably not six o'clock when you're trying to feed the family, but <laughs> whatever it is, and maybe you have a little spot, all the kids, they put their assignments in a folder or whatever, again, whatever works for you, put them in a folder next to the computer, and then they know that they have to be turned in by the end of the day or before they can go out and play or whatever it is. And then you now have them, and then you can just submit them because, uh, you know, if maybe for the older, uh, upper elementary, maybe they're able to do it, but certainly not for the lower elementary. They're, they're not there yet. So there is a lot on the parents for that. So, mm -hmm. so because you do have, the parents do have a big part in it, you, you do want to have some type of set schedule in organization because it is easy to fall behind. Yeah. And having that habit, that means we have less to think about, like fewer things to keep track of if we have really well-established habits. Yeah. And if exactly. we get out, then that's something else we have to add to our keep top of mind, which is dicey, at least for me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I have some parents, because we can see the, the timestamp on yeah. the assignments that are getting turned in. And I, I can see, there's like one family I have, it's in a 15 minute timestamp. Everything gets turned in every single day, that 15 minutes. And it's, it's clockwork, you know, yeah. it's always clockwork. That's when I get their, their work. So it does work. Now in the lower elementary, they have till Friday at noon to um, turn in everything for the week. So they do get that opportunity. But you know, I, I guess in some ways, if it works for you and that's, and you turn in and at noon and that works, that's perfectly fine. But there is a benefit of turning it in a little bit earlier because then I can give that feedback because all of the assignments build on top of each other. So if they don't understand it, I can, you know, give a little bit of feedback if it's needed and or the next day in class because I always, I might not get to grade all of the work, but I can at least take a peek at some of the work and then I can bring it up in class the next day and say, Let's just review this really quick, or you know, I, I can tell that kids didn't necessarily understand this concept quite so much. That if it's turned in too late, then I I don't have the opportunity to take a peek at it. So, and it's not crucial at all. Um, it's just helpful. And then once it's turned in, it you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Off your plate. <laughs> exactly. Good practice for for the long haul of, of the all what's yet to come. Well, it's been lovely meeting you both and it's been a fun conversation. It's so helpful too. Lots, lots of food for thought for families as they're getting going with the second semester and going into the next school year, whenever they're listening. And I'm sure there'll be things they can implement today. So thank you for, so much for taking this time with us and all you've offered to us and the families today. Eileen and Sarah, we really appreciate it and hope all goes well for the remainder of this school year and those yet to come. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Of course. Thank you. Thank you for having us. It was fun getting to chat and, you know, share a little bit about what we do. <laughs> If you haven't already, subscribe to the Colby Cast in your favorite podcast app to make sure you don't miss an episode. And we'd love to hear from you. So feel free to email us at podcast at colby.org. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam.